You're listening to Sunnyside Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to what is the latest in this podcast series. I'm Paul Gibson, VP of International at Demandbase, and I'm really looking forward to what I know will be another great episode. We all know the arrival of COVID changed the world across industries and I've seen it for myself, the way B2B sales and marketing teams have have had to embrace digital technologies to overcome the lack of field events, trade shows and face-to-face meetings. And working from home, of course, has changed the dynamic of so many of our roles. Therefore, I'm really excited that today's guest is an expert who is presently helping global tech and analytics giant IRI take ABM from what's largely an unknown concept into the mainstream, business-critical program to drive growth across both EMEA and APAC. It's therefore with great pleasure that I'd like to introduce today's special guest, Gary Harry, a 20 plus year marketing veteran who's presently leading marketing across 10 markets in EMEA and APAC for IRI, a company who work with some of the world's biggest brands, retailers and, and media companies. Prior to this, he led marketing across EMEA for Thomson Reuters and transformed them into a multi-award winning, highly innovative, commercially impactful team. He's a regular contributor. You've probably heard of him already, and he presents across a range of B2B marketing topics and has a particular passion around people, innovation and commerciality. So welcome, Gary. It's really great to have you on this podcast today. Thanks, Paul. A lovely intro, although I'm not so certain about the veteran part of 20 years, but we'll (laughs) we'll overlook that part. And yeah, good to be with you today. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks again, Gary. So let's start. I, I mentioned in the introduction that IRI are just getting started on ABM. What was the awareness and understanding of ABM and IRI like before you introduced it? Yeah, I think perhaps not uncommonly, there was pockets of awareness around the organisation and, and various colleagues that maybe had utilised ABM in different organisations. So they knew it from, from previous roles. But Within the organization, I think there wasn't really a great understanding of how to build a, what I would call a systemic ABM program. So pockets of great things, you know, you could argue that everything and anything we do that's personalized and targeted at a particular audience or, or organization is loosely ABM. But I think in terms of utilizing the, the analytics, the intent, the, you know, the, the smart targeting and, and really building something that's got that very clear sales and marketing alignment, it was quite a low start point, really. Okay. And from the conversations we had previously, you've already made some great progress or or probably still quite a bit to do. So I'd be really interested to learn, I suppose, a little more about how that new approach has been received. And was it an easy concept for, for people to get behind? Yeah, I think it's been reasonably varied, I would say, in terms of, you know, really landing the concept in the organization. I think everybody is enthusiastic about the concept of being, you know, really effective and targeted and personalised and, and creating a much deeper connection with our, our core accounts or, or prospects. So conceptually, everybody really, really buys into that. It's really, I think, some of the, the mechanics of how we then bring that to life that 
has had an, an element of, let's say, variability. And I think this is probably true of every organisation. And I was reflecting before meeting up with you today, I think there's almost like probably five different persona types that, that I've encountered both at IRI and, and other organisations. And I think it ranges from those that are absolutely mad for it, they want it today, <laughs> and which of course then negates you know, the, the smart planning and the joined up element. And, and that's probably not the right way to go about it. I think a persona group that still sees ABM as a marketing thing only. And I know that you guys are very actively trying to replace the M with an X, that it's yeah. a, about an account-based experience. And I, I really relate to that. I think there are then some that are, you know, very sort of balanced. They're advocates, but they don't really understand and, and, and want to learn more. For me, the perfect persona are those that want to be an integral partner, you know, moving forward. And we've certainly uncovered a lot of those over the last few months, which I'm, I'm really delighted about. And there's still a little pocket where they maybe see ABM as perhaps not a threat that may be a bit extreme, but in some ways duplicating, you know, what they might do in their daily life if they're in a commercial team or an account, you know, director type role. They perhaps look at ABM as something that maybe they don't need because they feel that they can manage that themselves on a personal level. And so what I'm very actively trying to you know, discuss there is this is not to replace, I don't think, ABM or ABX will ever replace that human interaction and you know, really managing your accounts on that you know, highly personalized level. But this can help us do that at scale. Realistically, you can't speak to 20 accounts or... 50 prospects every day but by deploying the right account-based marketing programs we can achieve all those goals of you know deeper connection personalization and real engagement with our clients and prospects but start to do it at scale and build it with you know really smart analytics so that we're guiding our actions for the future with a lot more intelligence yeah that makes a lot of sense and it's really interesting those personas do you think there's any way those personas map to specific roles within a business i.e marketing may be more skeptical than sales or vice versa or not yeah I, I think what i've found is the executive team colleagues i have that are perhaps outside of sales and marketing are perhaps less familiar with the concept of abm but really buy into the you know the, the potential and as i mentioned being able to engage more deeply and more effectively with our key accounts whether that be prospects or or clients is you know very highly perceived there the sales and marketing teams i think now really get it i think abm is now at a maturity level that everybody understands it to a point it's just there's often some nuance within those sales and marketing teams that i think is really key to get that common understanding and as we'll probably come on to talk about i think if you don't have an ABM program that's really connected and embedded in an organization with real sort of common language and understanding, and most importantly, the shared account and activation plans, I think it will never truly fulfill its potential. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's interesting, actually, you talk about the different roles. The more conversations now than I've ever had before with the CFOs, because if you can understand a big chunk of your marketing and sales effort is being focused on companies that your business can never sell to, it doesn't make any sense, right? So when CFOs realize that there's a way of ensuring that using this thing called ABM, ABX or whatever acronym we want to use 
yeah. it means that every penny time bit of time and bit of resource is being focused just on those companies that your business is interested in and can sell to it really gets them excited as well so yeah lots of different roles and responsibilities that are getting more involved. yeah it really does and i i like to use analogies a lot sometimes explain it that imagine if there was 100 people in a room and you wanted to get a dialogue going with five of them you know you could go around the whole 100 people and eventually you'll find the five but if somehow you could identify before you even started a conversation the five that are most likely to want to speak to you that's got to be a much more impactful and effective way forward and those I guess simplified ways of describing ABM just seem to help the concept land a little more in another way I often describe it as making your own luck you could very happily target the right organization through marketing or sales and we've all had that incredible moment where you may pick up the phone and a prospect may say hey I'm glad you called I was just thinking about product x Mm. and how magical that feels well this is enabling us to have that feeling more often you know and make sure all our energies are focused in the right places yeah it's really nice and you, you mentioned something around you know, ABM, ABX and all the different acronyms. And often that puts people off, right? Oh, here comes another another buzzword. I, I think potentially what's different with this, that ABM is a bit of a proven methodology. We, we know this stuff works and there's lots of case studies and metrics you can put against that. And it, it's really transforming so many B2B companies and, and making sure, as we said before, the budget time resources is focused only on the, the, the right places. What do you think from your perspective is the single biggest success factor for ABM that you can achieve within IRI? Yeah, I mean, look at that in two ways, Paul. I think there's what I think are the things we need to do to make it a success, firstly, and then what I see as some of the perhaps business benefits and and maybe commercial outcomes that, that we're looking for. I think you touched upon there, you know, marketers are prone to fads and hype. And I'm sure you've all seen like the Gartner hype cycle and, and such things. And I think ABM has now gone way beyond that. And I think people now understand it's a it's a mainstream business method, if I could call it that. But for me, the critical success factor, which I've already touched upon, is that absolute alignment across an organization. That starts with that shared understanding of what ABM is and isn't, you know, what it can do. I'm very big on what, you know, what the art of the possible is within ABM. But where we've invested, I would say, 80% plus of our energies in IRI is around getting to that joint understanding of, of account plans and targets. So really identifying what are the most appropriate use cases from you know new business and prospecting right through to retention and, and expansion. Who within each market for us are the effectively the top five, you know, very much a sort of one-to-one accounts that we want to build a really highly personalized deeper program with and then who might be in let's say the next 50 to 100 you know where we're bringing in some of the the intent analytics and intelligence through demand base without that joint understanding and that joint approach this will never work for us so we've got a few live abm programs at the moment they are all completely integrated sales and marketing programs they're not something that the marketers run away and develop in isolation. And we're now at the point where, you know, some of those programs are live. We're reviewing the analytics as a collective, you know, not that marketing does that and they send maybe a couple of bullet points, 
the complete team can see everything in a very transparent way so that collectively we can determine the next best actions, you know, when to deploy advertising, when to deploy certain content assets, how to drive an early engagement into the next stage and how we then ultimately drive it into pipeline. So I'd urge anybody that's maybe at an early state or thinking about ABM, really don't underestimate that that alignment across commercial and marketing teams is absolutely critical. And then the second part of that question, I think, was how we would measure the success, I, I guess. Mm. It's not easy, I think, because it's a different method, different way than perhaps traditional demand gen. So we're not we're not interested in qualified leads or, you know, traditional pipeline. So we're looking to measure our, our success in two main ways. One is how we're influencing the growth of those major, you know, top five in each market accounts. So we're going to be looking at how we can drive engagement and depth and you could argue the net promoter score in, into those organizations. And therefore, if we grow that revenue as an organization, we will attribute a certain aspect of that you know, back to the, the ABM program. And then perhaps for the longer tail, as we refer to it, a more of a sort of classic pipeline generation. So we'll be able to have, therefore, a mix of more traditional, I suppose, demand generation type outcomes where we can see that the ABM program has had a very direct impact on commercials, but then also looking at how ABM program can influence and be part of a solution to drive, you know, increased commercials. So a combination of kind of indirect and, and direct attribution. The bigger accounts that that certainly we work with, you know, they tend to be very long, complex sales and renewal cycles. You know, they're very complex organizations. They're typically some of the biggest brands and retailers on the planet, where I think success has many fathers in in that regard. And we would never be able to attribute that fully to an ABM program, but we want to get to a point where we can really understand the influence and how driving engagement and ultimately stronger satisfaction and, and I guess, positive sentiment from those clients will ultimately see an upturn in, in commercial outcomes. Yeah, it sounds like you've got sales and marketing working together, which we see as a, often a big stumbling block. So you'll have someone with their, the sales team will have their CRM data and they're coming up with their ideas and strategies based on that. Marketing be looking at website traffic or ad yeah. campaigns, come up with their strategies, and they're doing completely different things. And go figure, they're not they're not being successful. So the fact that you've got the two different those two critical parts of the business talking together and aligning is going to make a much more likely to be successful. And I think so. You're doing a great job there. And in terms of measurement, I mean that that influencing thing is a is obviously a massive thing. Do you do anything around attribution or anything like that at the moment? Yeah, we, we will be. I mean, IRI does that for a living or, you know, that's part yeah. of the, the solutions that we do in terms of media optimization and therefore attribution and econometric modeling and, and such forth. So we should be pretty good at it, I mm. would hope. It's not something we've done historically tremendously effectively inside our own organization. So we have a real, a real opportunity to I think bring that level of science from the front of the house into the back of the house. Yeah. And as I touched upon a little while ago, when you're trying to drive commercial growth in very large complex organizations relying on a traditional last touch 
direct attribution just doesn't work. You know, there are so many factors that influence, you know, obviously we're talking about the marketing piece, but it's also pricing, economic conditions, procurement pressures, so many different factors that would influence the success that we have with the client. So I think it's critical for marketers to, you know, really raise their game in terms of understanding the the totality of influence and, and being able to attribute commercial growth to the to the relevant elements. Yeah, and we've seen some really good programs where you're looking at all of the touches throughout the process and maybe weighting them differently, whether it's a contact with sales, they attended a webinar yeah. or whatever, be able to add all those in. So yeah, really useful. And, and the interesting one, I speak to quite a few uh, marketers who are openly calling them vanity metrics, but things like click-through rates and impressions, which it's a real B2C tactic, right? The ability to yeah. say, I've got 37,000 people clicking on this ad, but it didn't matter who it was. And that, no. that's changed. I don't know if you're seeing that as well, but there's yeah, no point to click on an ad unless it's someone that you you can actually work with. I've seen that change tremendously, though, and I, and I would agree that with the statement of vanity metrics. Mm. As I often say to my team, we wouldn't want them to be zero because then we'd be really worried. But to be brutally honest, Paul, nobody outside marketing departments care about those. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't go into my leadership meeting where we're talking about P&L and EBITDA and then start talking about click-through rates on a banner ad because, yeah. frankly, I'd be laughed out of the room. I wouldn't because I work with some nice colleagues, but <laughs> I would feel that. And I certainly, yeah, I feel that that ship's passed. I think that yeah. was the way for marketing to try and prove its worth. And it maybe had a, a role at a particular point in time. But we've now, it's all about the commercial outcomes. And I think understanding that in this very nuanced world, you know, with longer decision cycles, lots of influencers, you know, in a purchase committee or a buying committee, I think the organisations that get to grips with that from a marketing effectiveness point of view will be the ones that are more successful in the longer term. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Interesting point. Do you, from a marketing perspective, is any of your targeting or your goals and objectives related to the amount of revenue that you're bringing to the business in terms of the pipeline value, as opposed to number of opportunities, are you getting more into that revenue side of things? Yeah, very much so. And we've actually set ourselves a revenue target for our account-based marketing program, which is a new thing for, for the business. I mean, ABM is relatively new, as we've talked about. I felt it was essential. And I think that focuses the mind that this is all about driving to a commercial goal and and as you said not to those vanity metrics we will measure things like engagement and and how that's growing because i think they're really important lead indicators of how how well that the program is going but fundamentally we set ourselves a you know a financial you know dollar target which is based on that indirect influence and then the direct pipeline build that, that i talked about and one of the other critical elements is, so we have a strategy framework in IRI that effectively everything's on a page. So it's not unique to us, but some people call it an OGSM or an OGSP. So it's, you know, the objectives, goals, strategies, measures or plans. We've now got ABM objectives on the business OGSP, not just the marketing one. So when it's there, it gets attention, you know, it gets focus. And it makes us look at it as a business-wide program rather than a, a marketing-wide program. But I do feel that it is pretty essential that you can start to have some goals and objectives that are around 
revenue contribution. And of course, for some organisations, this could all be about retention. It could all be about expansion. It could all be about new business or, you know, perhaps in most cases, a combination of the above. Yeah, and I think that's something that maybe has changed our ABX as opposed to ABM is very much saying, you know, it's not just new business acquisition. You've got to retain your accounts. There's opportunities to upsell them and make sure they get into value. So, yeah, I, I really think that that's an important uh, point to make as well. This is really useful insight, and I'm sure it's incredibly useful for the listeners today. As a last question for this session, and hopefully this will be a really useful one as well, what advice, based on your experience, would you give to someone who's maybe embarking on a similar journey where maybe you get ABM is important, the business hasn't really adopted it or really aware of it, and you're starting from scratch? How would you begin? Yeah, I think firstly, don't look at it as a short-term thing. I think you've got to be in it for the long haul. A, because it takes a while to get it mobilized and B, because you very rarely see short-term impacts. So I think that's a, almost like a mental preparation that it, this is a longer-term program. As I've mentioned before, get that really strong company-wide understanding, first of all, because we've all got preconceived ideas of what ABM or anything else for that matter is. I think it's really important to to set the framework of what ABM means to a particular organization. I would then use that as the springboard to tease out with key stakeholders the art of the possible within ABM. And from that, you know, get people energized by the concept and then start to perhaps shape that into what are the right use cases for our organization and our goals based on our plans and and objectives for this year. And then really critically spend a lot of time with with sales and commercial teams and get that very early connection dialogue around who are the plans, sorry, who are the target accounts? Do we have five or 10 that that are known obvious that we want to maybe win from a competitor or win back or whatever it be alongside those that we can see through the technology that are showing buying signals and I think getting that combination of those two in complete lockstep across the business is really key. But I would say that the groundwork in the understanding, the art of the possible, the the joint account planning is so critical. And I think, as I mentioned a little while ago, we probably spend 80% of our energy on that stuff and 20% on the tech, the advertising, the activation, the personalized marketing program, certainly to where we are today. And I very, maybe I shouldn't say this in a demand-based podcast, but I very rarely talk about the tech in those conversations. You know, we talk about what we can do and what it enables and, and as I say, the art of the possible. But I would urge that this isn't seen as a tech project. This is about a business project that can drive retention, expansion and new business growth. I think if you major on the technology, then you start in a bad place. I think there's a time to bring that into the conversation. And when you do, people are blown away. I think particularly when when people can start to see the buying signals and, and the analytics around intent, that's usually when the penny starts to drop for people that were perhaps not sure of the power of ABM. Yeah, no, and I agree. And uh, no offence taken on the technology point. I think okay. we're, we're exactly the same, right? It's important. It's all about it's all about timing and sequence, really. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we're, we're exactly the same, right? I wouldn't want to sell a piece of technology to someone who's not ready for it. And I think if they're ready for it, I think the technology just supports some of the decisions they're making with the data and that sort of stuff. So fully get that. That was really useful advice, especially that last piece, Gary. Thanks ever so much for that. Pleasure. I'm sure there's plenty of insight you could provide. You could probably give us another half an hour. So maybe we'll start out another podcast, but I'm conscious we're coming up to time now. So a couple of last things for our listeners, if you're okay. Firstly, would you give us a recommendation of one resource? It could be a book, a blog, a website, etc., that you'd suggest the listeners should read or follow or watch? I'm a really big fan of Propolis, which is the, I guess, the content platform of B2B marketing. They have some great ABM content on there, you know, all the, the areas we've touched upon today. Yeah. So if you're not a member, I, I would really urge to get involved with that. There's obviously lots of community groups and training around the topic as well. So I think for a real 360 immersion into ABM, that's about as good as it gets, I think. Great. Yeah, I know those guys well. We work closely with them, so I would second that recommendation. And finally, if you're happy to, how would you best suggest any audience who wants to can contact you? I'm happy for people to contact me through LinkedIn. Brilliant. It's Gary with one R and Hurry with two R's. Excellent. For obvious reasons, there aren't many Gary Hurries on LinkedIn. So <laughs> choose the bald one if there's more than one. <laughs> the 20 year veteran. Yes, exactly. Yes, sorry, Bella. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Thanks very much, Gary. I really enjoyed that. I hope you did as well. It was great having you on the show today and being part of this podcast series. I'll make sure that anyone who wants to and contacts me will get in touch with you as well. But other than that, really appreciate your time today, Gary. No problem. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV. 